On today's episode of Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network, who should stay and who should go? We will go over all the big UFA, RFA decisions coming up for the Vancouver Canucks. We also discuss Jim Benning. Yes, Jim Benning was sixth in the NHL GM of the Year Award. I think it's named after someone, but I can't remember off the top of my head. We, of course, get into that. And our guest this week on Power of the Towel is none other than Braden Ursel of Next Misconduct and the PB1 podcast. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Before you listen any further, I say this every week, subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network wherever you get podcasts. Not only do you get this show, you get The Quickie, a daily hockey show from none other than Trevor Beggs. You get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit. And under normal circumstances, you would get Sippin' on a 40. However, Kyle's taking a break on that, so no Sippin' on a 40 for a few weeks, but I will be back. Do not worry. It will be back. Now, as I mentioned off the top, who should stay and who should go? The Vancouver Canucks have a few decisions to make on some upcoming RFAs and UFAs. RFAs are, I think, a bit more straightforward, but the UFA decisions are big and they have potential long-term implications for your Vancouver Canucks. Yes, there's just some decisions to be made this offseason that could shape how the Vancouver Canucks look in the foreseeable future. I think it's that important. It really is. We're going to go over, no particular order, what I think the Vancouver Canucks, what I think they should do for each of these upcoming RFAs and UFAs. We're not going to go over every single one. We're going to go over the ones that I feel are the most important and most impactful. And I guess we got to get the big one out of the way first. Jacob Markstrom, 30-year-old goaltender, a UFA coming up very shortly. He was awesome this year for the Vancouver Canucks. He was their MVP. He was, if you want to look at the fancy stats, if you want to look at those numbers, he was probably a top five goalie in the National Hockey League. He was that good. And we saw it in the playoffs. We saw it. Throughout the regular season, the Vancouver Canucks relied on Jacob Markstrom like few other teams did their goaltender in the National Hockey League. I still remember that game against the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe it was the night the Sedin's numbers were retired. When nothing shut out, made like 40-plus saves. He was awesome. He was amazing. He was absolutely phenomenal. And that's the type of performances you got from Jacob Markstrom. There was a game against Carolina at home that stood out. That's not, not, 
that doesn't take anything away from Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko is still an amazing goalie, but Jacob Markstrom, I think you have. I think you have to keep him, and I think Vancouver Canucks understand that. Look, I've said it before, and I've said it again. Who you want as your starting goalie for the Vancouver Canucks depends on where you think this team's window of contention is. If you think it's right now, then obviously you go with Markstrom. You've seen what he's done over the past season and a half. You know what you're getting out of him. You know that on his best night, he's a top-five goalie in the league. And as Kevin Woodley said once on TSN Ford, we like to bring it up on this podcast network quite a bunch. The Canucks need Vezina-like goaltending to win hockey games because it masks over their def- defensive deficiencies that much. Yes, they're going to keep Jacob Markstrom. I, I firmly believe that. However, and I think this point was brought up by Harmon Dial that it's not the AAV that will get you in trouble with a guy like Jacob Markstrom. It's going to be the term. We've seen what's happened with Sergei Bobrovsky. Yes, the AAV is a problem, but it's also the term. The term may be the biggest problem because they're stuck with him pretty much the rest of that contract. Anyone training from Jacob Markstrom right now? I can't think so. I can't think of anyone. So it's mostly the term you want to avoid. So if I'm the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Benning, I'm keeping it to a max three years. And Jacob Markstrom may not want that. He may see it. this as his opportunity to get his one big payday, his one big ticket, his one big contract. He may not want three years and go through this and get in three years. He may want, and he probably does, a five, six-year deal. What's the AAV going to be like for Jacob Markstrom? Probably five and a half, six million, considering what we've seen over the last, again, year and a half. He's probably that level of goalie. But Jacob Markstrom, I think, will be a Vancouver Canuck next season. I refuse to, I think Jim Benning, and I think ownership, I think the entire management staff sees, and they want this team to be a contender as soon as possible. And you're going to get that with Jacob Markstrom. Now, Thatcher Nemco still has one year left on his previous deal at 1.05, like essentially a million dollars a year. That's a valuable asset. We've seen what Thatcher Demko can do in the playoffs. He was awesome, games five, six, and seven. The only reason the Canucks got that series to seven games by the end, he stood on his head. The Vegas Gold Knights are still, yes, they are still shook from Thatcher Demko. You see in their play against Dallas, they're picking corners. They're trying to look for the perfect play. Thatcher Demko is still in Vegas's head. That's how good he was. Under normal circumstances, I would say the Canucks are going to keep him for another year and decide what to do with him the following offseason when he's a full RFA. But the expansion draft complicates things. I can see Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks trying to trade Thatcher Demko this offseason. Sell high. Sell high. How many times have we said that to Jim Benning and this management team? They don't seem to sell high. And sometimes it's come back to bite them. Will it come back to bite them with Thatcher Demko? Or are they going to keep him? Are they going to say, hey, we've seen 
the two-goalie system work in the playoffs, who knows what next season is going to look like in terms of the condensed schedule. Maybe we do want a two-goalie system. I'm almost convinced at this point that they're going to try and trade Thatcher Demko sometime this offseason because there's going to be suitors and you can get and you can use a chip like Thatcher Demko to improve your team elsewhere. We all know the defense situation. Maybe you use Thatcher Demko to improve your defense that way. Tyler Toffoli. Yes, Tyler Toffoli. He's a UFA. Played a handful of regular season games, playing games and playoff games. And he looked like a solid top six forward. Looked great with Pedersen playoffs once he came back. I read a Pass It to Bulis article and the Analytics website Evolving Wild projected that he has a 5.575 million dollar contract as his next contract. That'll take him to his 33-year-old season. Again, my apologies to Evolving Wild because you get those you get those numbers if you're a Patreon subscriber. I just got it from Pass It to Bulis for free. My apologies. I will do better next time. But Tyler Toffoli at 5.575. I would love to keep Tyler Toffoli. Yes, I would. I think he's a great fit in that top six as we saw. However, it really depends on the Markstrom contract, right? Let's say Jacob Markstrom comes in at a $6 million AAV. Toffoli at 5.75. That's a shade under $12 million. That doesn't leave you much wiggle room to you know, lock up these other guys. Tyler DeFoley, I would love to see you in the future as a Vancouver guy. He even said so in his media availability. He wants to stay. Maybe use that to your advantage. Grind him down to maybe a solid five. Hey, every dollar counts when you are discussing the future of the salary cap for your Vancouver Canucks. And that leads me to these two players I think are unfortunately going to be gone from the Vancouver Canucks. The first one is the other big UFA, Chris Tanev. I think he's gone. 30 years old. He's probably going to want, again, kind of like Jacob Markstrom. This is his chance to get that big ticket, that big contract. And I don't know if the Vancouver Canucks can be that team to give it to him. I love Chris Tanev. He's been a warrior for this team for so many years. People forget he was on that 2011 team. Like That's how long Chris Tanev has been in the organization. He blocks shots. He seems like a good mentor to the younger players. Played well with a guy like Quinn Hughes in the playoffs. I don't know if the Vancouver Canucks are going to be the team able to give him the big contract that he wants. Again, if you sign Markstrom and Toffoli, those are 1A and 1B, in my opinion, that Jim Benning is targeting right now. I don't think there's money there for Chris Tanev unless you can get rid of some of the deadweight like the Ericsons, the Roussels, the Brandon Sutters, the Ericsons. But would you want to clear cap space, give up assets to get rid of those bad, bad contracts? Because it will cost bad assets. Sorry, it will cost contracts to get, or assets to get out of those bad contracts. You want to re-sign a guy like Tanev, or are you trying to go for someone younger once you have that room? I think the Canucks should go 
or maybe someone a bit younger, someone maybe a bit cheaper. Again, I don't have the Evolving Wild Patreon, so I can't see what Chris Tanev is going to project as with his new contract, but I can tell you, I'm thinking it's going to be at least $5 million, maybe. But he, want, he wants a big ticket. He wants a big payday. And I don't think the Vancouver Canucks, unfortunately, are going to be the team to give it to him. The time to trade Tanev was three years ago when the Canucks were in the thick of the rebuild. They didn't want to do it then. It's time to let Chris Tanev go out and enjoy the rest of his NHL career with another team. Thank you for the memories, Christopher Tanev. But I don't think you will be a member of the Vancouver Canucks by this time next month. Another guy I think is going to be a casualty of this cap crunch is Jake Vertanen. And I know there's going to be a lot of defenders online saying you got to give Jake a chance. He needs more time. Look, he's 24 years old. He is what he is. He is a bottom six forward who can maybe chip in with a few goals and who is maddeningly inconsistent. That's who Jake Vertanen is. He is an RFA with arbitration rights. As a 20, he scored close to 20 goals. And if the season wasn't suspended, he probably would have got to 20 goals. Like, there's a very real possibility he could have. Will the Vancouver Canucks want to give this guy $3 million, considering what they potentially could give to Jacob Markstrom and Tyler Foley? I don't think so. I do not think so. I don't think they have a stomach to pay Jake Vertanen $3 million a year. That's why I think he's out the door. He's going to be traded. If maybe, maybe if the Canucks didn't have some of this dead weight in the on the books, Jake Vertanen could be given another, you know, show me deal. But the numbers just don't work out. They just do not work out for Jake Vertanen. Sorry, shotgun Jake. Thank you for the memories, but you will be a former member of the Vancouver Canucks next time. Your next time this month. Now, another defenseman that I think can be re-signed is Troy Stetcher. I want him back on the team. I think on an ideal cup contender, he is a bottom-pairing guy who can maybe slot into the top four with injuries. He is an RFA as well, 26 years old. From the area, maybe you can use that to your advantage and get a, a good deal. I would love for them to keep Troy Stetcher. If it means letting Tanev walk and having to trade Jake for something, then yeah, definitely keep Troy Stetcher. I like his game. He's a right-shot defenseman, which his team desperately needs. If you're going to let a guy like Tanev walk, they only have Myers on the books right now. But Troy Stetcher, I think you gotta you got to re-sign him. And I'm not saying you have to clear a bad contract to try and sign Troy Stetcher. I'm saying in place of Jake for Tannen, go for Troy Stetcher. Adam Gaudette, he is a 10.2C center, which according to cap-friendly means 
he has not occurred the necessary amount of professional seasons required for a Group 2 RFA status. They are ineligible for an offer sheet. That means the Canucks have all the leverage. I don't think Gaudet's going everywhere, but you are able, you're going to be able to grind this guy for a pretty cheap deal. So do it. Adam Gaudet, he was okay in the playoffs, wasn't the best defensively. I think in the next couple seasons, maybe you'll see that two-way game improve. But again, the Vancouver Canucks, if you're signing Jacob Markstrom, that means you think your window's right now. Do you have time to wait for Adam Gaudet to be that third-line center of this team I think needs to take that next step, a third line center who's solid defensive who's solid defensively and can hold his own offensively. Because Adam Gaudet can hold his own offensively. It's just the defensive part he needs to work on. If he can do it, if he can fix that and he's on a cheap deal, then that's a master stroke by Jimbo. If you don't think he can do it or you don't think you he can do it in time for this window of contention, then you gotta do something about him. In terms of the other RFAs, Josh Levo. I like Josh Levo. I just don't know. This kneecap injury seems pretty serious. Remember, he was he got injured back in February. He wasn't even going to be back until the Canucks potentially made the Stanley Cup final, according to Jim Benning. So pretty serious kneecap injury. Good middle six guy, but you can find those guys for pretty cheap on the UFA market from year to year. Same with a guy like Oscar Fanberg, 28 years old, bottom pairing guy. You could probably find him or a player like him for a competitive deal somewhere in the UFA market. Same with Louis Domingue, just a third string goalie. But yeah, those are my thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks UFA RFA players. Let me know what you think, and we're going to find out what our guest this week thinks. It's none other than Brayden Ursel of Nux Misconduct and the PP1 podcast. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. All right. So we now welcome on the Power of the Towel podcast for the Nux Misconduct Network. You know him from the PP1 podcast. You also know him because he actually writes for the Next Wisconsin website. It's Braden Ursel. Braden, how are you doing today, my man? Hey, man. I'm doing good. Uh, back uh, on a podcast with you. It's only been, what, a couple of weeks now? But yeah, yeah, uh, I'm happy to be here. I've, we had you on during the Vegas series, I think. And uh, yeah, you know, we liked you so much, me and Kyle. We decided we had to not only get you on board, but get you on one of our, another podcasts as well. I think this is the first time I've ever had someone from Next Misconduct on actually my podcast, which is probably bad for me and not being a good teammate, but here we go. Wow, what an honor. Well, thanks yeah, for having I, me, Matt. I'm I, super pumped to get going here. Very, very big honor for yourself. So my first question is, and you can be honest with this, how is Next Misconduct doing so far? How are we compared to the other guys? Be honest. I'm not going to get upset. <laughs> well, uh, you know you know me. I've only one, written the, uh, the one article on uh, Ole Olevi being ready to make the jump next year. Um, but honestly, I, I love the setup. I love how easy it is to, uh, 
to get your thoughts down. And then just the format is pretty straightforward. It's a couple little kinks I got to still work out, but I, I think as I get going there, it'll, it'll be pretty easy, but I uh, know the guys have been really good. Uh, Trevor's been really awesome getting me all set up. So I'm really happy to be writing with uh, Nux Misconduct and a good group of guys. Okay. So if you were, this is what Kyle told me to ask you. If you were on a desert Island and you only had the bandwidth to publish for one website, which website would it be? I'm sorry, I missed that last part. So if you're on a desert island, you only had the bandwidth to publish for one blog of the two, which one would it be? I don't know. I, I think for now, I'd probably got to stick with my guys at the Canuck Way. Oh, I mean, I'm the man. site expert there, so I got to support, got to support oh, my troops. Oh, man, where's, where's the sound effect for that? We got to find that. We <laughs> I'm sure fi- Kyle's got one locked and loaded. That's... We should have you booted off this podcast for saying the other guys. Like I thought you, were, I, I was teeing you up to say next misconduct. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I, I gotta stick with my day ones. Okay, it's all right. It's all right. We we still we still love you here. We still love you, and we're still happy to have you on this podcast. Now you mentioned Olio Levy. We, I want to get to him in a bit, but the big question for the Vancouver Canucks this offseason, I think it's the question that determines what everything else the Vancouver Canucks do is Thatcher Demko versus Jacob Markstrom. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. It real, The decision depends on where you think the Canucks are in terms of their window of contention. If you think it's right now, if you think the Vancouver Canucks are ready to contend right now, then you got to go with Jacob Markstrom. We all know he's the MVP. We all, all know what he's done the past year, year and a half. And he was, by a lot of metrics, from what I've read online, a top five, top six goalie in the league. Like That's very valuable. And he gives you a certain certainty going into the next couple of years. But if you think that the Canucks window contention is, say, three to four years down the road, if you think they got to get rid of some of these self-inflicted bad contracts, get a few more pieces, and then go to be a Stanley Cup contender, then you probably want Demko, right? Because his age fits kind of the core of what the Canucks are trying to build. So the, the million-dollar question on every Canucks fan's mind, who are you going with, Demko or, or Markstrom? Well, I think that, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to unpack here and, you know, but um, like for one thing, the biggest part is that part of it is like, according to cap friendly, the Canucks only have 14 over a little over 14 million in space. And like, when you're talking about the Canucks being ready or not ready, I mean, that really depends on how much they do this off season, right? I mean, there's certain players on this team that hell yeah, they're ready to win a cup, you know, Pedersen, Hughes, the core, they're ready, but uh, it's just going to depend on how much Benning can do. But I think, I think for the better of the team, he's got to go with signing Thatcher Demko. I mean, for the money thing, for the money thing, but also for the fact that I think he's going to fit the he's going to fit the core uh, a lot longer than than Markstrom might, right? And the money you're going to have to sign Markstrom with, uh, you know, five, six, seven million dollars, that's only going to make it harder to uh, to try to lock down Pedersen and Hughes next year. Um, so for big reasons, I, I got to go with Thatcher Demko. Um, I mean, you might take a bit of a, I don't want to say a step back, but you might just take an extra year or two to be ready for the cup. And that's honestly when I think the team's going to be best suited to try to win a cup is when you got guys like Vasily Pod Colson coming up, hopefully Nils Hoglander, and we got a full thick roster of talented players and, and good supporting cast and, and superstars. So I got to go with my guy, Thatcher Demko. He's your guy. Okay. Interesting. But I think that, and I've said this before, that I think it's the term that's going to kill 
it's usually the term that kills all these goalie contracts, right? It's not really the AAV. Like, look at look at Florida, the Bobrovsky contract. Now, it's a high Ooh. AAV, but there's a lot of term to it. That's probably the biggest thing is maybe the, mon- the money is obviously a big thing. But the big thing's term. Like, you're, you're stuck with him for however many years. So, I still think they go with Markstrom. I think the Canucks win could 10 is, like, right now. Like, while these guys are on their ELCs, you got to go right now. And if you can get Markstrom, like, a $6 million AAV is probably what Jacob Markstrom is looking at, right? Like, considering his, his play in the playoffs and last year and a year and a half, probably around $6 million AAV, considering also that Robin Leonard is getting five, and Jacob Markstrom probably the better goalie than Robin Leonard, in my opinion. If you can get him six year, uh, not six million a year, six million a year for let's say three years, why not? Like go with that and go with the certainty. Yeah, I don't mind the term. I mean, that's not bad, but uh, I'm not even sure those those letter rumors are true. I mean, what kind of what kind of goalie negotiates a contract right in the middle of a playoff run? Am mm. I right? I mean, he's going for a cup. I think he's actually, I think he's possibly denied the rumors at this point. But I mean, only time will tell. But uh, yeah, I mean. I'm just glad I'm not the GM, you know, <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's a very difficult decision. It's, it's, and I think it's also, it's going to depend on what happens with your other guys. I mean, I've heard rumors that the Canucks are going to try to go after all three of their big UFAs, but, and then just like, where's the money though? There's 14 million and they gotta, they gotta make some big moves. Like they, they, they really do. So, I mean, there's, there's like five, six different ways you can try to look at clearing out cap space, but, uh, Benning in one way or another is going to have to get creative. Yeah, and I think the only way you can sign Markstrom to Foley and Tanev is if you clear some dead weight from the salary cap, which is easier said than done, right? Like, I've I've, I've always said that you can get rid of bad contracts. There's tons of examples throughout the mm-hmm. last couple seasons in the NHL where a deal where you thought there's no way they could get out of this deal, they somehow find a way, you know, maybe retain some salary, give up another asset, like, it's possible to get rid of these bad contracts if you're a Jim Benning and company. The question is, are you willing to pay that price to get rid of them, right? Are you willing to give, let's say, like a future second-round pick or like a Niels Hoglander to get rid of these guys? Because if I'm a, a, a rival GM, I know Jim Benning's up against the wall. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm asking for the moon. I'm asking for like a Niels Hoglander to take on a Louis Erickson, right? Because I know their back's against the wall. Like, they, they're in trouble if they don't make this deal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's a way that they have to obviously try to create space. Um, I mean, I would hate to ha- have to give up a guy like Hoglander, but I mean, if it means if it means clearing out a guy like Louis Erickson and you're not retaining salary, then that's huge, and that's something you have to consider. Um, obviously, like I said, you don't want to have to give up those guys. Um, so I, I would I would look at trying to get get rid of picks. I know I know Benning's already said that he's not really interested in getting rid of more picks but he might not have an option like he really might he, he just it just depends on which way he's going to have to do it um but luckily for the canucks i mean they are still pretty they still have quite a few good players who can come up and play for this team yeah absolutely and i think that when you're talking about future draft picks i think i, I agree with you there that that's probably going to be the move because i can't see with all the hype niels hoglander of his silly pod colson getting in this market, Jim Benning's going to want to package those guys for a salary dump. Like he, if you're moving those guys, you want proven pieces, right? And that's why I think also, Hey, why not try and dangle Thatcher Demko for, you know, a, a top, what my, my dream scenario for Thatcher Demko is 
you know, you get you trade him for a top four right shot defenseman that's cost controlled for the next few seasons, right? Like that's the dream scenario if you're trading mm-hmm. Thatcher Damko. And what also makes this whole goalie thing interesting, sorry to go off this tangent, is the decision pretty much has to be made this offseason, right? You have the expansion draft next season. So if you want to get the best return for a Thatcher Demko, if that's the route you're going down, then you got to make it this year because next, who first of all, who knows when the next trade deadline is going to be? Who knows what that's going to look like? So, mm-hmm. and you and teams are going to know you have the expansion draft coming up, so they're not going to you know be willing to give up that much. Why not try and trade him this off season and get ahead of this stuff? Like we all, people have always talked about Jim Benning trying to you know get ahead of himself and sell high. Well, you're not going to be able to sell much higher than right now for Thatcher Demko. Like everyone's seen what this guy has done over the past in his past three starts against the Vegas Golden Knights. He's still in their head. I'm just getting an update on my phone. The Dallas Stars just tied the game. 2-2. It's heading to overtime right now oh, as we record shit. this. Yeah. Like oh, the Dallas, shit. the Dallas, the Dallas Stars are going to overtime, and Thatcher Demko is still in the Golden Knights head. Like, who wouldn't want to have that goalie if you're trying to <laughs> rebuild or go on a playoff run, have a solid backup? Or you know, a 1A, 1B scenario, platoon. Thatcher Demko shown he could do it. Yeah, that's also another thing about next year, though, is I know with the shortened season. We're going to have a lot of back-to-backs, and you see it with Montreal going after Jake Allen. Um, teams are going to want to have two good goalies. But, I mean, for trading Thatcher Demko, I also don't – I've also always kind of over – I've given way too much value to goalies on the on the trade market, but they don't seem to really get too much value in return. So I think if you're going to try to move Demko, you're, like, you're not going to get a ninth overall pick like we got with Horvat. Um, but, I mean – if you're moving him as well, you're probably going to want to move out some more money. So he could probably be like an additional piece on a trade to, to target a top four defenseman. But if you're bringing back a top four D man, that's worth five, six million, just for example, say Matt Dumba, because that seems to be all the Canucks ever talk Canucks fans ever talk about. You're probably going to have to add something to that as well. Like a big, big name player like Brock Besser or, or I don't know, Tanner Pearson, something, something along those lines, just to kind of clear out a little bit more money. So It'll be interesting, but uh, I like what you're thinking too. Yeah, and I think for another uh, player who could be on the way out, I think probably has some value with some of these old school GMs is Brandon Sutter. I've been harping at it since like May, June. Brandon Sutter still has a name that these old school hockey GMs may want to pay a price for, like even a fifth round pick. Sure, why not? And he had an okay playoffs, right? So you think you think any team can take Brandon Sutter? You think Jimbo can kind of hoodwink any team to take Brandon Sutter off our hands? Uh, I think I think at the right price, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard rumors that Edmonton might be serious about Ooh. Brandon Sutter. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the, sure, I'm not sure how... Big J Braden, sure, I like it. Yeah. I'm not sure how big those rumors are. Um, but, I mean, you can also look at teams that are, that, are, that are like bottom feeder teams, right? So you can look at maybe Ottawa or Detroit or something like Buffalo. But, I mean, I don't think you're really going to get anything in return, but that's not really the point. We're trying to get rid of Brandon Sutter. Like you're just trying to get rid of him. I mean, you can throw in a pick for all I care. Just get that money off the books. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I mentioned it off the top. You wrote your first article for Nexus Conduct and so far your only article. I'm not trying to shame you. I don't write that much either for <laughs> Nexus Conduct. Uh, but I've been trying to change that. Oli Yulevi, his chances on making the team next season. You seem to be the Oli Yulevi whisperer on Nexus Conduct. 
I talked to the <laughs> Troy Stetcher whisperer earlier on my podcast, earlier when I started this with Israel Fair, did a great feature on Troy Stetcher. What are, realistically, if I was to say, give me a percentage that Ole Levy can make the opening uh, opening night lineup next year, whatever that is, for the Vancouver Canucks, what's your percentage? I would say about 55%. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with 55%. Uh, and, I, and I'm just saying this because, like, we're we're loaded on the left side. So he's kind of got a couple players to fight through there, like Jordy Ben's left-hand side, uh, Adler, and Hughes as well. Plus, we also have Rathbone. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I give I give Yolevi just a slight edge over Rathbone just because he's got the experience. And I've seen his work a little bit more. But uh, I think when it comes down to next preseason, it's going to be between him and Rathbone fighting for that sixth, seventh spot. So that's my choice there. Uh, good 55%. Yeah. So essentially a toss-up between Yolevi and Rathbone for that third left left side defenseman spot, right? Like, was that would that be like your your fair assessment? Yeah, for sure. Toss up uh, whoever has the better better preseason. You got to go with them. Yeah, and I think Ole Olevi, like he has the stigma of being a fifth round pick, which has kind of haunted him in a way. If you think about it, like people expect mm-hmm. so much of a fifth overall pick. We all know who was picked after him. Not going to say who, Makachuk. <laughs> but we all we all like he's never going to live up to a fifth overall pick, right? He's never mm-hmm. going to be that top pairing guy kind of smooth skating defense and that we all really were hoping for when they drafted him fifth overall. But I still think he could be a serviceable defenseman. Like if he can be a third pairing left hand defense, left shot defenseman who is reliable and is cost controlled for a few years, you don't have to go out to the UFA market and not that Jordy Ben is costing a, a connects a lot of money, but it adds up when you always have to go up to the UFA market, right? Like it adds mm-hmm. up after, uh, after a while, right? Oh, for sure. We've seen that uh, Jim Benning is known for, you know, throwing out the checkbook on free agency day. But like you said, you'll like you'll have these, what, 850,000. I mean, that's less than half of uh, what Jordy Ben gets paid. So and when you only got 14, 14 and change in cap space, you got to do whatever you can to make every little penny count. Yeah. And speaking of pennies, the cap crunch is coming up. And I think what the, the big takeaway I take from the playoffs from the Vegas series is the lack of scoring depth for Mm -hmm. the Vancouver Canucks. They had the top two lines that could roll with Vegas. And this feels like ages ago, for some reason, the Vancouver Canucks played the Vegas Golden Knights, but, (laughs) but it's just like the top two lines could hold their own against Vegas for the most part. But those Mm -hmm. bottom two lines, especially games five, six and seven, it was pretty much collapse in the middle of the ice. And hopefully Vegas doesn't score when they, when they get on the ice. And that's not a good strategy. It's not a viable long-term strategy if you want to be a Stanley Cup contender. So for the Vancouver Canucks, how, how do you improve that scoring depth outside of you know getting rid of some of these so-called anchor contracts like a Brandon Sutter and even like an Antoine Roussel, like some of these older veterans and improve the depth? I mean, I think you got you to gotta find a way of gutting that bottom six. I mean, um, they were... They were pretty bad, and I mean, I don't want to put all the J, all the, uh, you know, all of the, what am I, what's the word, all the blame on on Jake here, uh, you know, he was pretty bad, but I mean, you also got to look at Adam Gaudet. I mean, it was his first playoffs, same with Jake, but um, they're the same age, uh, and you know, no one really was on his ass like they were for Tannen. He 
He had zero points in 10 games, didn't do anything for us, but neither did any of the veterans either. So I'm not really sure how you go out and you fix that. Like for, for right now, it's just about going and trying to get rid of some of those guys. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully players like, I don't want to say it, like Michael Furland, I think he should just retire, but I mean, he wants to play. Hopefully he can come back and still, still be something for us next year. Um, not sure if that's going to happen, but you pray, you pray it does. He could be a good addition to the third line. And then you, I think you want to try, if you can, if you have a, a couple pennies, uh, a little bit of cash, you, you try to get Josh Levo a, a one year show me contract. I mean, you got to worry a little bit about him being away from the game for, I think it's coming up on 10 months now, but he, he played pretty well uh, last year. And I think he deserves another shot at the right price. See, I like Josh Levo as well, but I'm worried about that kneecap. Like, it's just yeah. like you said, like he's been out of, he's been in action for 10 months. I don't know what if he's going to be the the same player even if on a one year deal. And I don't know if the Canucks can afford to take that kind of risk with a bottom six. Like you got to hit on all your bottom six if you're trying to revamp this lineup, right? Mm-hmm. No, for sure, you definitely do. But uh, I don't know how you do that if you're trying to target your three big UFAs. I mean, if you're going to spend yeah. all your money on just two of those guys, you you, you really got to get creative, and you're not going to be you're not going to be getting rid of any of those bottom six players for other players in return. Okay. You're only going to be getting picks or, or in, and, and not good picks. I mean, so unless you're, unless you're going to trade like, you know, a guy like Brock Besser, but I mean, the only way to trade him is for someone for a D man. So that really doesn't do anything either. You're not going to, you're not going to trade a big name player for, you know, two third line players. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just happy I'm not the guy trying to figure out it's going to be one hell of an offseason for Jim Benning. Um, I just wish I, I wish we could have six Tyler Motts in the bottom six. Yes. To be with six you. We should um, just clone him. Yeah. Why exactly. don't I just clone him? Clone his contract as well. You're, like, you're, probably, not, gonna, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get scoring from like the Tyler Mott bottom six. But you know what? No. They're gonna give you hustle, they're gonna give you grit, and they're gonna try every shift. And they won't get you know what? They probably won't get scored on either. And we'll have the best penalty kill in the league. <laughs> I like your style, man. Yeah. So you also mentioned Jake Vertanen. I guess we got to talk about him. It feels like he's the most discussed bottom six player in Vancouver Canucks history. Mm-hmm. Every every podcast I listen to, anytime I turn on sports radio, eventually the topic turns to Jake Vertanen. It and always I, does. It always does. And I think a large part of it is because he was that first pick of the Jim Benning regime. When you think back to 2014, that was the first top 10 pick the Canucks have had since, I guess, the year before Bo, Bo Horvat. But that wasn't really their pick. Like, they traded for it. Before that, yeah. it was Cody Hodgson. Cody Hodgson. Yeah, Cody Hodgson. Yeah. Bar down, game eight, Boston. <laughs> never, game eight, baby. Never forget. You'll always be a Canuck legend in my mind for that yeah, goal. The the, uh, the Liv Schreiber lookalike. Yes. He does kind of <laughs> look He does kind of look like him, actually, now that you mention oh, it. Oh, he's yeah. his kid. I swear to God. They yeah. look identical. Yeah, you know that man. That that just blew my mind. Like I never put that connection together, but now I can't get it out of my mind. But anyway, right? J- Jake Vertanen, I think it's really because he is kind of that first top ten pick in quite a while at that time for the Vancouver Canucks, and of course the Jim Benning connection. He was his first choice, but I think it's time to move he on was. from Jake Vertanen. I think that you know he's also he almost scored twenty goals this year, which is mm-hmm. in arbitration. That's probably like a three million dollar contract, and. I don't know if the Canucks, if you, like you said, if you want to sign your top three free agents, Markstrom, Toffoli, Tanev, you can't afford Jake for 10. Like, there's just no way 
he's going to fit in there. And I still think because he's a top 10 pick, we all know what happens. They get cycled around a few more times than maybe a sixth rounder. I think he, you can get something for him or at least shed that salary. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Jake Rattan? Is it time to let go of Shotgun Jake, or are you still a ride-or-die ride or Jake Rattanen guy? No, uh, you know, Jake Rattanen, he's, for me, you know, I was really stoked to see him, you know, have a great season for the Canucks. But just just like always, it was kind of up and down at the end of things. And, yeah. you know, we've been waiting six years to see him in the playoffs, and we, we finally get that opportunity, and he – you know, he, he disappointed some people. Jim Benning said it himself. Not a good move on yeah. Benning's part. But, Tank uh, in that trade value. He couldn't, he couldn't hold it in, man, because that's how bad he was. I mean, you know, other than scoring a couple couple timely goals, uh, he was pretty much invisible for me, and it, it's time to move on from him. Um, because not only that, but I know we, we spend a lot of money on, on players. Like, we overpay a lot of players in free agency, like, you know, Beagle, Sutter, Roussel, Erickson all those guys. But that's why I also like the arbitration scares me. Like I wouldn't mind having Vertanen back, you know, at the, at the same price, maybe a little bit more, but like you said, he's, he was a 36 point guy. He could have had, you know, 45 points in a full season. He's going to get three, three and a half million on, on arbitration. And he has those rights. So I don't think Benning has a, a choice, but to get rid of him if he wants to try to get other players in there. And, and, and Vertanen, he's just, He's not working out anymore. He's not working out with the coaching staff. He's not working out with the players. And I mean, if you can't get things done when you have an amazing core like the Canucks have, you can't you can't come to work and 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 work hard like those superstars do. Like, I don't know when are you going to be able to do it then? Yeah. Like, and he's had six years. So I think the best thing for Vertanen and the best thing for the Canucks is to move on and try to try to get something back for him. I'm I not think- sure what you're going to get for him. Maybe you package him up, but. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I think the most maddening part for me about Jake Furtanen is, like, you think his game would translate so well to the NHL playoffs. He's a big guy. He can skate. He can get in on the forecheck. He can hit. He has a pretty good shot. And it's just, whatever reason, these playoffs, and in his de- in his defense, like, this is the only time he's ever been able to get to the playoffs because that's been dog shit pretty much the entire time he's been with the team. It, it didn't really work out. And like you said, like, he... he uh, my issue is defensively, he doesn't seem engaged in board battles and stuff like that. And you see that when Travis Green decides to bench him for a while. It's usually after some sort of defensive fuck up. You can swear mm-hmm. on this podcast, by the way. I really don't care. <laughs> and that, but that's what they were. Like it, it, he's not consistent enough, I think, to be a top six player, and he's not good enough defensively to be a bottom six player. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. I think you nailed it on the head. Um, I mean, for me, he he's a he's I don't know if he's a defensive liability, but he's definitely not he's not good enough to be defensive in the bottom six, like you mm-hmm. said. And when he when he's doing something offensively, it's here and there. And with a guy of that size and that speed, all you gotta do is drive the net, man. That's all you gotta do. But what's he do? He just walks it in and then he looks like he has the lowest hockey IQ on the team. Just usually dumps it and skates off to the bench. Um, at least that's what I saw a lot in the playoffs. And then when you're trying to get, you know, a little bit of little bit of spark out of him, he goes and takes a horrible penalty. I think that was in Game Seven. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's just uh, it's it's just not working out here. And I think he's lost favor with the coaching staff. And after Benning's comments, uh, I mean, it's just time it's time to walk away. 
Okay, a couple more of the more important UFA, RFA players because I do I do know you have to get going here. Troy Stetcher, they got to find a way to re-sign this guy, right? Like, to me, he's the perfect bottom bottom pairing guy in the sense that if the Canucks were a true Stanley Cup contender, like if they were a Vegas level, Troy Stetcher would be playing bottom pairing minutes, and he'd be that mm-hmm. guy, if there's an injury, he can move up to that second pairing. Plus, he's a right-shot defenseman. The Canucks desperately need a couple, you know, need a guy like that. They got to find a way to re-sign Troy Stetcher. He's from Richmond. He's a local kid. He likes the Canucks. It's just such a good story. I don't want to see this guy walk or get traded. Yeah, Troy from Richmond. Um, I don't know if you heard the comments uh, by Brian Burke. I'm a big Brian Burke fan. He usually gets yeah. everything right, but he he referred to Troy Stetcher. Some people may not like you for heart. saying that. You're a big Brian Burke fan. You might get ripped online yeah, for that. No, I, I like him, man. I think he's got a lot of good shit to say, but uh, I didn't like what he said. Uh, he thinks Troy Stetcher is a spare part, but the thing about Brian Burke is he doesn't like guys who don't have size. But uh, Troy Stetcher has proven time and time again, every single year, he's slotted in as a third-line defenseman, but what's he do? He works his way up the lineup, and he does a really good job. Um, I think the Canucks got to find a way to bring him in, like you said, um, but I don't think you bring him in if you're if you're bringing in Tanov as well. I mean, the defense needs change, and they got to figure out how they want to change it. So do they want to go – with the leadership and the block shots and the heart from Tanov, or they, you know, they want to go from with the hustle and the, and the offensive forward from Troy Stetcher. Um, and that's, that's going to be up to betting and, oh. you know, dollars and cents. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, Adam Gaudet. I like him as a future third line center. I think he's good offensively, but right now his defensive game is lacking a bit. And I'm wondering if there's a future for Adam Gaudet in the next, in the immediate future, because I think if your core is, if you're taking like the Thatcher Demko, as we talked earlier, Thatcher Demko, the team's three to four years away, or you know, maybe yeah, three to four years away, I would say from being a true Stanley Cup contender, then you you stick with Adam Gaudet because again, he fits that age and he can grow into being a really good third line center. But if you're going the Jacob Markstrom route, and I think this is the route. Jim Benning and ownership are going. I refuse to believe Francesco Aquilini saw his team in this in the second round of the NHL playoffs go to Game Seven and think, "Yeah, this team needs three to four years before we're a true contender." Like he's going to try and like do everything he can as an owner to get this team as a Stanley Cup contender in the next year or two. That's why mm-hmm. I'm like I'm pretty pessimistic on Thatcher Demko's future. But anyways, Adam Gaudet. If the if the if the team was three to four years away from being a Stanley Cup contender, I would say, yeah, keep keep him around. Let's see if he can fix his defensive game. But now that I'm thinking about it, and I believe Thomas Strantz mentioned it in one of his articles, if you are a team that wants to be a contender next year or the year after, is Adam Gaudet a good third line center? Can you afford to, you know, see if he can improve his defensive game? See that we we actually talk about Adam Gaudet a lot on the PP1 podcast, which is my podcast. Yes, we'll talk. We'll get into it later. I have a few questions. Yeah, for sure. But uh, for for us, I mean, over there, we we don't really look at like, Adam Gaudet as a center. To be honest with you, um, I think he look he's more of a winger, and I think like for now. Um, even like if the Canucks are going win now, if they're going win in three or four years, like sure, I don't mind keeping on keeping with Gaudet. But if you have the opportunity to to unload somebody or unload some cash, and he's got to be like a piece added to that, like I I, I pull the trigger because you, you got to find a way to make this team better. And I'm just not sure how much 
Gaudet makes this team better with his overall game. Like he's got it offensively a little bit, but he struggled with that in the playoffs. He means zero points in 10 games. Um, and he's, okay, but he's, he's also like playing with Brandon Sutter, like the black hole of offense. <laughs> exactly. You're right. But I'm going to have to say Brandon Sutter had a way better playoff than yeah. Adam Gaudet. Um, but I mean, I think both those guys, I'm not sure if you see them next year. Um, but yeah, for me, he's a winger. He's not a center, and we need a better center to to get further in the playoffs. Okay, so now you're Jim Benning. Who do you go for as a third line center? See, that's that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know. I think if you're trading, well, like what could Adam? I don't, think, I don't think. I don't, I don't think you can trade both of them. I don't think you can trade both of them. And as crazy as it sounds, like I don't think you can move. I don't think you can split up Miller. But like I mean, that is an option. You could put Miller at a center, but I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. So going out and finding a UFA, I'm not sure who you who you target. But yeah. Okay. So you <laughs> mentioned you mentioned you talk about Adam Gaudet a lot on the PP1 podcast. Yeah. What's the podcast? You guys are based originally out of Kelowna. I know you moved to Burnaby yeah. to go to BCIT. What's the podcast uh, scene like in in, uh, in Kelowna? What's going on? <laughs> what's going on in Kelowna, California? Oh man, uh, podcast scene is it's lit. No, no, I mean, it's, it's it's really not. I think we're the only Canucks podcast. Uh, we got we got out. Uh, you know, it's been just over a year, and it was funny. The Kelowna Kelowna now was doing their awards for all these like the best of Kelowna for 2019 20. 20 and uh we actually made it into the voting for best podcast uh we didn't win it but uh i mean for canucks podcast i think we're the only one damn okay so breaking news we're gonna break this live on the podcast dallas just scored dallas has just beaten <laughs> las vegas golden knights to advance to the western conference no, sorry the stanley cup finals i missed the entire round just want to say it officially on behalf of canucks fans fuck you vegas thank you fuck <laughs> you and good riddance holy hey dallas pulled it off i can't believe that you know i was after watching vegas just manhandle the canucks i mean i mean we made it to seven games but it was it wasn't pretty i thought i thought dallas was really gonna struggle but i mean that's what's so surprising about these playoffs is anyone can anyone can rise up and win and dallas is on fire right now i mean they have the pieces they they beat vegas in five games and now i'm thinking i remember this is like when when the Canucks got to Game Seven, I'm like, man, if they can get to game, if they can beat Vegas in Game Seven, the path is there to beat Dallas and get to the Stanley Cup Finals. And now yeah. Dallas yeah. is in the finals, and I'm thinking, would have would Dallas would have stomped Vancouver as well? Like, just throw yeah, give I don't, give, I don't know exactly. It's funny how certain teams match up against others so much differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I look at I look at how we always lose to Vegas, and then we always lose to to Winnipeg, but Calgary is one of those teams like we, and we can beat Calgary, but Calgary is one of those teams that can always beat the jets. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's just funny how that works out. So to see Vegas get, you know, only one win in that, uh, in that series, that, that blows my mind. I, I thought they were going to walk all over Dallas, but like you said, maybe Thatcher Demko is still in their heads. Yeah. And you know, they Vegas outshot Dallas, like in pretty much, I think every game as well. I haven't looked up the stats for this game, but it seems like Dallas played the Canucks style that they used in games five, six, oh. and seven a bit better than the Canucks did. Like they just were able to score and actually like they gave up a lot of shots as well, but they're just able to, you know, counter and get their opportunities. Yeah, I don't I honestly don't know too much about Dallas outside their star players. Like I'm not sure what they're Dennis Gurianov like. scored the winner. 
overtime yeah, heroes. So, like, like I mean, they're getting goals, obviously, from, from players down the lineup, and that's just something the Canucks couldn't do. I mean, but Vegas made the Canucks kind of look like men versus boys out there. So, I mean, that's good for Dallas. I, I would love to see Sagan win a cup, but uh, it's going to be tough for them to try to get past Tampa if Tampa's the one that get, makes it to the final. That's, yeah. that's my pick. Okay, enough, enough Vegas-Dallas talk. You mentioned that you won an award for the PP1 podcast. I didn't know I was talking to an award winner right now. No, no, no. We didn't win an oh, award. We got, we, got, got we got nominated. I didn't know I was talking to a nominee of an award. I, I, this podcast will probably never get nominated for anything. Like it's just, <laughs> I, I'm just being real. Well, there's so much more competition out here in Burnaby and the Vancouver area, yeah. right? I just think, I think, uh, you know, there probably wasn't that many podcasts who even heard about the, uh, the Kelowna now, like you had to sign up and then the, like, depending on how many people kind of threw your name in there, they would determine if you were eligible to win. Oh, so, okay. Maybe I got to move out. Maybe, maybe my game is the plan is move out to like the interior somewhere and just say I'm the best Canucks podcast in Williams Lake or something like that. Why yeah, not? there you go, man. For sure, for just, sure. Just do it. Just be oh, the only podcast there. Yeah, absolutely. So, sorry, Adam. I got one last question for you. For sure, buddy. I got this. Is how I end all my interviews. I got the book of questions right here. All right, yeah. it's just a bunch of random questions. I'm just gonna flip to a random question, and we're gonna ask you, okay? okay. I, and I, it, we don't. I have no idea what book. Some of these are very weird. Are they- Some of these are very like deep. So they're not fun. They're not like lighthearted. They could be very serious. Oh, okay. Here's a good one. All right. This is question 168. If you could wake up tomorrow in the body of someone else and assume his or her life, would you do it? If so, who would you pick? What if you'd become the real you again in a month or a year? Oh, dude. Elias Patterson all day. Damn. Okay. Yeah, that was quick. <laughs> yeah. Like, wouldn't you? Who would your pick be? I don't know. I'm trying to think, would I go, would I go straight for an athlete? Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes. I don't know if I go straight for a Canucks player. I may go for like a musician or someone like that or like an actor or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe I sure, take man. over like a, like a, maybe like a world leader or something like What about like, a woman's body? Oh, okay. Maybe. <laughs> hey, maybe, Hey, I didn't say if it was a male or female musician. Yeah. I, know. I mean, I guess you didn't. <laughs> okay. So, so what happens if you become Elias Patterson, you're dangling everyone, you know, scoring, Scoring goals, one of the best players in the league, and then a year goes by, and then you're back to being Brayden. What happens? I don't know, man. I think uh, I get a little depressed, maybe, or I or I just live high off the, uh, you know, the times being Elias Pettersson, you know, skating around, being the, one of the best hockey players in the world. I'm not sure. <laughs> if we ever get Elias Pettersson on this podcast, I'm going to ask him the same question. I'm going to ask him if you would rather be Brayden Ursel for a month or a year. <laughs> Oh, definitely Braden Ursel. Yeah, for okay, sure. absolutely. Didn't he, didn't he get nominated for like some awesome podcast or something? Yeah, he got nominated for the Kelowna Now Cocky Podcast of the Year. Not even sure that was yeah, the award. Yeah, he did. Fucking right. <laughs> oh, okay. No, this is the actual last question. I was listening to a few episodes of the PP1 podcast uh, today while I was working out. Great job, by the way. You had, it, Paul, nice. you, had, you had Biz Nasty on the podcast. Biz, how the hell did that? How the hell did you get that? No wonder you guys got a, a, like a nomination. I've never had anyone cool enough like like Paul Bissonnette on the show. I couldn't believe it, honestly. I could not believe it. I was, uh, we've been after him. I mean, I hadn't been after him. Uh, all all this goes to Ryan Hank, Hank the Tank. Uh, he uh, he been after him for probably a good four, five, six months, and 
he would always respond to us on Twitter. That was the cool thing about it. And he, you know, we'd kind of say, yeah, I can do it maybe here. Give me a message in a couple of weeks. We'll try to figure things out. But uh, it was one Friday morning. I was sitting at home on my couch on Serb, just woke up, you know, I was watching TV, doing my thing. And uh, Ryan, Ryan calls me and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, fuck all really. And he's like, well, we got biz nasty in 20 minutes. Let's go. So, no, it was awesome. We got him on. Yeah, we got him on around 11 in the morning and he was, he was a hoot, man. He was, he was a lot of fun. So he was really professional. And that's one thing I've noticed about having a lot of guys on here. Like they're, they're all really professional and they all, they all get your name and they'll, ne- yeah. and they won't forget it. And like, and they'll really include you and, and get you involved. And if you have any hiccups, like they're really good at to uh, helping you out and getting that kind of smoothed out. So no, biz was, biz was a lot of fun. He was joking around, but he was, he had some good shit to say too. Obviously, I mean, you listen to it, so you know for yourself. Uh, yeah, I encourage cool. anyone. I, I encourage anyone who hasn't listened to it to listen to the Biz Nasty episode. That was that was it was just cool to hear like someone I ten, I I know like yourself have Biz Nasty on their podcast. Like that's no, that's cool. It was nuts. I mean, we're not a we're not a big podcast. We don't get a ton of views. Well, you're like, big in Kelowna. We're not. Yeah, we're huge in Kelowna. We uh, well, yeah, we don't get a ton of views. Like, but we're not really in it for that. Like, we're just in it to have some fun. So it was it was pretty neat to get uh, like someone that big on the show. And that's also like kind of one thing I've really liked about this whole podcast thing is I, I, I did not like getting into it. I did not think we'd get some of the guests we have like, and it's been a really cool experience. I mean, we've had biz nasty. We've had Vern Fiddler on, we've had Brad may. Um, and then we just had like, you know, a lot of guys from TSN sports. I mean, we got Harmon dial coming on the show tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to that. So just for a hockey fan in general, it's it's really cool to connect with people nowadays and be able to talk to the people that you thought you'd never have a chance to talk with. So I love it, man. It's great. Okay, so you mentioned you have Harriman Dial on the PP1 podcast uh, tomorrow night. You're recording it. I'm not sure. I'm not gonna. You can you can say if you want when the po- episode's actually coming out. Ask him. This is what I asked him when he was on my podcast back in January. Ask him how his Tinder game's going. Because if I see, okay. look, if, all he has to do for put in his bio is, and I told him at the time, boy genius, his profile pic, and that's it. Like he's getting like a million swipes, right? Oh hell yeah, dude. he's the boy <laughs> genius. He's the he's the boy genius. Like he has like the instant recognition that I wish I had. For sure, buddy. I, I'll, I'll definitely have to ask him. I'll hit him up tomorrow. How's your Tinder game, Harmon? Let let us hear it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, please do. I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to it. Anyways. Braden, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast, and hopefully, we can have it on again sometime. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, hell yeah, man! I'm around anytime. You know me, so yeah. Writing for uh, Nux Misconduct yes. now. Not for the Canuck way. No, 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 not the other guys, as we call them here. The other guys. Okay, yeah, yeah. The other guys. for the other guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, All right, yeah. Thank yeah, you so man. much for uh, for coming on. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Go okay. Canucks, go. Welcome back. To power of the towel. Thank you to Brandon Ursel for hopping on the podcast. Much appreciated. Great interview. What else would you expect from Brandon? Great guy all around. Now, I want to end this episode with some Jim Benning talk. And it's not necessarily going to be a breakdown of everything he's done as an NHL GM. I just want to go over the fact that Jim Benning finished sixth in the 2019 2020. Jim Gregory, General Manager of the Year Award voting. He finished sixth. Is Jim Benning the sixth best general manager in the National Hockey League? I would say no. Just from 
my experience following his team for the past six years. But this, inter- this award is pretty interesting. They vote on it after the second round of the NHL playoffs. It's voted on by fellow GMs and executives, and I think a few media members as well. And Jim Benning finished sixth. I have no idea how Jim Benning finished sixth. It seems stupid to award an NHL GM award for one year, right? If that's the case, if it's just for solely one year, the best GM is just the GM who won the Stanley Cup. Technically, he would be the best GM because he's the only one who successfully did his job. All their jobs are to win the Stanley Cup. So I guess by this voting, Lou Lamoramo finished uh, first with 86 points, 11 first place votes. Islanders are going to win the cup. They're going to come back against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I would have said Julian Breezebaugh is probably the best GM this year, just solely on the moves he made at the trade deadline. You look at some of the players they brought in at the deadline who are doing well in the playoffs now. They fit. They fit a certain mold. They're good players, but they also have a bit of sandpaper to them, which is maybe what the Tampa Bay Lightning lacked last year against a gritty Columbus Blue Jackets team that swept them. Again, I have no idea why they vote on it for one year. Seems like a arbitrary thing. Kind of feels like an old boys club award as well. Lou Lamorello won it. They all vote for their buddies. Kyle Dubas is funnily enough nowhere on this list, which I find hilarious that Lou Lamorello won it. Maybe they all hate Kyle Dubas. They probably do. They probably think he's an egghead. Man, Jim Benning, the sixth best GM of the year. It's kind of a stupid award, but of course, people online got all in a tizzy about it. And fair enough. Jim Benning's probably not the best, sixth best general manager in the National Hockey League. But I don't know. I don't know where he would rank in terms of GMs in the NHL. Let me know your thoughts because I'm interested. I don't think he's sixth. But considering where the Vancouver Canucks are, You can argue they definitely could be a lot better if everything, he did absolutely everything right. But how many GMs out there would have done everything right considering circumstances Jim Benning was in? I don't know. He's not the sixth best GM in the league, that is for sure. But I wouldn't say he's like the 31st worst manager as well. Anyways, there's this week's episode of Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network. This is Nick Bondi talking to you right now. Subscribe to the network wherever you get podcasts. You'll get this episode, Power of the Towel, out every Tuesday. The Quickie by Trevor Beggs, out every day for you. Silky and filthy, puck talking bullshit with Trevor Beggs and Kyle Bowen and sipping on a 40, which is on hiatus, but it will be back soon. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Bondi. For Power of the Towel and the Next Misconduct Network, thank you for listening.